It's got nothing to do with science, got nothing to do with prevention of transmission at all. It's just another excuse for emergency powers to be continued. Well, gentlemen, on a clear night, if you go down towards LAX and you look out to the east, you can see them coming in a line. Sometimes you'll see 25 jets just lined up, ready to come in, in order, in sequence. Kind of a beautiful sight, really. And uh, four or five months ago, I'd read that uh, the U.S. government had done a study on controlling uh, uh, like a game, you know, gamed it out, a simulation uh, for how to control future epidemics. And the um, epidemic they chose just randomly uh, two, three years ago was monkeypox. And here she comes right on schedule. Right? We're about we're now facing a monkeypox uh, outbreak. And here's why we can't talk about this one on YouTube. What's not being widely reported about the increasing number of monkeypox cases is the fact that something like 98 percent of the monkeypox cases are uh, being suffered by gay men. And. Our, our friend Ace of Spades has covered this in some detail. We got a link for that article below. But basically, what it what what it boils down to is simply this: uh, this particular affliction is a skin disease. It's not airborne, and in order to spread it, you require somewhat continuous skin-to-skin contact. You're not likely to get it just from touching somebody, but you know, a little longer than that, your your odds go up. What? Ace points out is that um, there has been no warning specifically about the kind of behaviors that are spreading this monkeypox thing. And what's spreading the monkeypox is essentially large-scale gay orgies. I don't care what people do with their own time. It's not my business. I don't want somebody telling me how to live my life in private. I'm not telling them how to live their life in private. But the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I have an extremely strong feeling that for the third time in a row now, I've lived through two uh, pandemics in in my life. uh, And I got a very strong feeling that the third one is going to play out the same way as the first two. Uh, Steve, uh, the first uh, pandemic that I lived through was was AIDS. And and everybody was terrified of AIDS. And AIDS was, was made clear to us on endless occasions for a decade that anybody can contract AIDS, that AIDS is not a gay disease or a disease of, of immigrants or anything. It's just, it's just as randomly going to hit a heterosexual couple as a homosexual couple. Everybody was terrified. They didn't lock us down for this one, but they sure did harsh a bunch of mellows. And, uh, and, and I was one of them. And it, it turns out, Steve, that if, uh, if you really want to actually follow the science, that that's just not true. That, that virtually all of these, of the AIDS cases and, and unfortunately the AIDS deaths were, from, I mean, virtually all of them, with with a handful exceptions, were either uh, gay men or uh, intravenous drug users. Uh, and so, instead of instead of saying that that was the problem and trying to address where the problem actually was, we decided that that would be unkind and homophobic and all the rest of it. So we essentially terrified the entire country into being afraid of this disease that straight people essentially had 0% chance of contract. Uh, that's all true, but there's an important distinction between between then and now. By f- scaring the crap out of everybody, and I was one of them, uh, uh, you know, I hit puberty around the same time that AIDS came around. And, you know, I, I, I was just hitting puberty when Time Magazine ended the, announced on the cover the end of the sexual revolution. I'm like, God, oh, I was so close. 
<laughs> a little 14, 15 year old me, whatever. Anyway, uh, let's let's get to the serious stuff. There is a very important distinction by scaring everybody in the 1980s. Uh, we might have prevented uh, some some straight non intravenous drug users from doing some stupid things and catching the HIV virus and developing AIDS and dying. Uh, we certainly prevented a lot of gay men and intravenous drug users from getting from contracting HIV because they started using clean needles and they started wearing condoms. And that's some good protection against HIV. Um, we're not doing that now. We're doing the opposite now. Instead of scaring everybody, we're telling the we're not telling. We are indicating to those who are most likely to catch monkeypox. Hey, just keep doing what you're doing. You'll be fine. We are eliminating the conversation that needs to be had about monkeypox and how you get the damn thing. It is actually easier not to catch monkeypox than to catch monkeypox. It's hard to get. It's hard to transmit. This is this is such an easy disease to avoid. But we have government officials saying, well, if you want to if you're talking about certain practices, you're homophobic and we don't want to alienate or marginalize certain groups of people. And, they, and they're couching it in all of this language, which is indicating to gay men who are in, indulging as, as some people indulge, by the way. For the record, my gay friends over the years have been people who do things like join the military or uh, partner up and adopt a kid or now get married or, you know, just pine for looking for that one right guy that they haven't found yet because they want to partner off like almost everybody does. So we're talking about a small subset of a fairly small community here. Let's not brand everybody. That said, we're going about the messaging completely wrong. We are telling these people that, uh, well, again, not telling, we're, we're, we're silent on the issue. We're telling them to, you know what, let's backtrack a minute. Let's take the sex angle out of this completely. Gay, straight, whatever. No, let's just eliminate this. Let's say there's been an epi epidemic of uh, people getting hit on the head in construction zones by falling hammers. Okay, this is just, it, it hurts a lot. It's not going to kill you, but you're going to spend a couple of weeks with a really bad headache. So nobody wants that. Well, if you happen to know that this is going on, if you have been told that this is going on, you can do one of three things. You can avoid construction areas for a little while until this, this hammer falling epidemic dies down. You can wear a hard hat around the construction area and, and protect yourself. Um, or you can just you can just wait it out and and just just refrain from all construction area type activities. This is this is pretty simple stuff. This is very simple stuff. You've got you've got these options. But instead, we have people like this, uh, this uh, guy in New York, Sebastian Cohn is his name. He's he's from Sweden. He's gay. He works for George Soros in public health. He's a public health expert. And he wrote fourteen hundred words for The Guardian over the weekend about how he contracted monkeypox. He wanted to get tested. There weren't enough tests. He wanted to get vaccinated. There weren't enough vaccines. So. What did he do? None of the three things I mentioned. Instead, he went out and had anonymous sex with a bunch of men over the weekend, contracted monkeypox and spent two weeks in sheer misery. A public health expert. Um, it's just lunacy what we're doing and not doing. confidence in public health experts. Oh, going on two and a half years now, Bill. Uh, Scott, 
I understand this idea about demonizing people, and I don't want anybody demonized and, and, and all this. If it turned out, however, I mean, the great thing about having principles is, especially if one of your principles is being true to your principles, is that you can, you can look at these things objectively. If it turned out that saying the Pledge of Allegiance caused a disease to spread, right, and, and primarily affected conservative Americans, I wouldn't demand that we lock up the entire country to prevent the spread. I would simply say, okay, if this is what's causing it, as Steve said, I can either not go to the event or I can say the pledge and take the risk or, or, or whatever, right? But but this idea that, that some things are just off limits, you just simply can't talk about them, is, is extremely damaging. Yeah. Like AIDS and like Monkeypox, COVID-19 was a picky eater. It had a very specific spectrum of, of who it was fatal to. And instead of protecting those people, they did what they did with us with AIDS, but this time they did it with, with much more coercion. In AIDS, they said, this isn't a problem of a small population. It's a problem for everybody. Everybody has to go out and be scared. Everybody has to change their behaviors. With COVID-19, we didn't protect the people who, who were susceptible to, to COVID-19. We basically locked everyone up. And what I'm hearing now from the government and, and news agencies regarding monkeypox sounds exactly like what I was hearing with COVID-19. I mean, exactly. A number of new cases, and you know, because scientists are concerned. Fauci just a few days ago said if we had if we had uh, COVID to do all over again, we would have been we would have issued much, much more draconian uh, measures. And he said that. And I'm thinking, well, it's funny, isn't it? It sounds almost like he's going to get his chance to do it again. Well, just in case you think if you're watching this and you're not one of uh, Bill's faithful viewers, um, just in case you think he is exaggerating on this, I'm looking at a story from National Public Radio right now under the headline, As Monkeypox Spreads, Know the Difference Between Warning and Stigmatizing People. And it starts off by saying that the World Health Organization uh, declared that monkeypox is a public health emergency and that the WHO director added stigma and discrimination can be as dangerous as any virus. In fact, so concerned was the World Health really? Organization about this public emergency declaration that the committee in charge of making such declarations could not come to a consensus on making the declaration because they were afraid of the stigma. And uh, just in case you think Bill exaggerates as to the degree to which the uh, homosexual male community, especially those with multiple partners, uh, get this, the uh, NPR story says, uh, the global monkeypox outbreak appears to mostly affect men who have sex with other men. And this is what they mean by mostly. A study published in the New England Journal of Medicine found that 98% of people diagnosed with the virus between April and June in more than a dozen countries identify as gay or bisexual men. And the World Health Organization says 99% of U.S. cases are related to male-to-male -male sexual contact. Okay. And here's the fear. You know what the stigma is? They're concerned that the other people, you know, the 1% who has monkey pox, but didn't get it from male to male sexual contact won't come forward because they'll be afraid that it's an admission that they're a closeted homosexual. 
Like they're not going to go to the doctor like, oh, okay, I've got these pustules all over my body, but I'm not going to step forward because he's going to think I'm a homo. I don't think that that's the way people think, especially in 2022. I think you go and get the treatment and there's yeah. doctor-patient confidentiality and stuff like that. In any case, what they're saying, they're trying to make it sound like they're protecting that tiny little fraction of a percent of people who did not get monkeypox in the ordinary way. The ordinary way is male-to-male sexual contact. And, and the story says, in fact, just to nail this home, to prove a point, in the United States, there have been two identified cases of children getting monkeypox. Two. So they're saying, like, this is why we should be so concerned about the stigma that's going to really cause problems for us. Um, do, you, no, do you know I, about those two children? What's that? Do you, do you know about the two children? I do not know about the two children. They have, they, have gay, they have gay parents. They have I two male parents. I did not parents. know that. But in any case, and I, you know, I, um, I look at public health issues as public health issues. And I look at if there was a situation where they found that all the people in my county in Texas were particularly vulnerable to a virus, I would not expect a national alert or a World Health Organization alert. I would expect a countywide alert here that said, and, and maybe... Maybe they'd have to cordon off the county and say, we don't want it to spread beyond here, so you can't leave the county or you can't come into the county till we get a handle on this. But they wouldn't be going to the whole population and saying, hey, everybody's got to watch out because it's actually something in the water here. And so I, I don't care what you're doing that spread the disease um, I think it's bad behavior and I don't think it's a good idea. So I'm not um, ambivalent on, on homosexual activity, but that's not the issue. It's not morality that's the issue. It's science. It's medicine. It's the spread of a disease. And if you want to clamp down on something that affects that 99% of its victims are all in one little tiny community, then that's where the emphasis needs to be. I bring this up because of the predictive value here. As I said before, with both AIDS uh, and uh, COVID-19, these were specific afflictions that, have, that affected a very narrow segment of the population. And rather than dealing with that segment of the population, the entire society was impacted. And I see the same signs of this thing happening now. So this has got nothing to do with science, got nothing to do with prevention of transmission at all. It's just another excuse for emergency powers to be continued. To give you an idea of what real science sounds like, as opposed to politicized science, where the people who are responsible for issuing the statement can't even issue the statement because they're so bound up trying to not step on the feelings of the people who are actually suffering from this disease. What real science sounds like, I heard back in around 1990, I was a limousine driver when I got to LA for the first time, and just shuttled businessmen back and forth to the airport. And one night in 1990, I want to say late at night, I, I was picking up a, a doctor from who had just come back from a uh, a leading AIDS international conference. This guy was a leading AIDS researcher at the absolute height of the pandemic when people were really starting to die in large numbers from AIDS. And he wanted to talk on the drive back. It's a 45 minute drive. So he basically said, so I said, well, doctor, to be honest with you, I'm uh, like everybody else I know, I'm kind of terrified about this. You know, I mean, I really am. I've had unprotected sex with people and, and I'm just, I, I'm just almost too scared to go get the test. 
And he said, let me ask you two personal questions, Bill. I said, sure. He said, are you gay? I said, no. He said, are you an intravenous drug user? I said, no. He said, then you don't have AIDS, period. You don't have it. And he went on to explain that that particular virus was actually an extremely weak virus. And the only reason that that it got a hold, took got a foothold in the gay and the intravenous drug using communities was because those two activities had so destroyed the immune system of those people prior to the arrival of AIDS. They were seeing people coming into the hospitals in San Francisco. They were at these, these bathhouses. They're having you know, 20, 30 partners a day. And people were coming in with these weird infections. They had Their immune system was so suppressed that when AIDS finally did appear, it just it just knocked them down. The same way that COVID, you know, people ask me, my mom's my mom's death certificate has COVID on it. She caught COVID. Two days later, she was dead. Did COVID kill my mom? No, COVID finished her off. Uh, and and this is the kind of thing that that an intelligent society does. The two things that I find most distressing here are number one, it looks like an opportunity for more. Uh, totalitarianism. And I'm also deeply insulted by this idea that if it turned out that they were to announce that this was a 99% uh, problem for, for homosexual men, the idea that we rednecks, you know, we conservatives would start pulling gay people off the street and beating them to death with tire irons, you know, the idea that the population cannot be trusted with the truth, because if they did, the incredibly emotional overreaction would be catastrophic. And that's why we have to lock everybody down. This is the elitism that's at work with, with these people and is always at work with people. That's why they want to control your lives. They have a very low opinion of you and a very high opinion of themselves. And uh, neither one of those two things is warranted. That's what happens when you follow the science anyway. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. Oh, one last thing. Um, what we're finding in the initial uh, spread here is that this is it looks like monkey. And by the way, monkeypox has an extraordinarily low fatality rate. It's almost it's almost a comical uh, pandemic. But what we're finding is that this particular uh, disease appears to be affecting young people more than older people, and and there's already some uh, some pretty solid evidence. The reason for that is that older uh, fogies like me were inoculated against smallpox, and that that smallpox inoculation that I got. 60 years ago, no, no, 55 years ago, will protect me for my entire life. That the smallpox vaccine is likely having a good effect against monkeypox. I just bring that up to say that I got a shot when I was seven, gave me lifelong immunity from uh, smallpox. And we just saw the president of the United States has been inoculated twice, boosted twice, come down with a virus from something that isn't really a vaccine and doesn't really provide immunity in the way that every other vaccine prior to this did. So just wanted to get that on the table. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us here. And we'll probably be back on YouTube talking about cats or movies or something else that YouTube will allow us to speak about. But it's been a pleasure talking to you. We'll see you next week.